Welcome to the Over the Monster podcast. My name is Brian Joyner. I am joined today by the new site manager for Over the Monster, Dan Secatore. Dan, say hello to your devoted legion of fans that you've Brian, heard from Matt. What is happening? I am excited to be here. I got a new microphone. I'm borrowing my five-year-old's headphones. I'm pumped. It's, it's, yeah. been, it's been a long time coming. Well, noted scamp Jake Devereaux gave you a microphone, and it didn't quite work. He did. I think he was trying to sabotage. Yeah, I think he was trying to keep me out of the podcast game. Can't do it, Jake. I think that's what he was Can't doing. Can't do it. Dan, as you will be running our lives for the next few years, why yeah. don't you tell the, the listeners... A little bit about yourself. Um, I don't know if the listeners really want to hear too much about myself in a monologue at the beginning of the podcast, because I have a feeling that's just going to come out as I ramble <laughs> for the next, how long is this going to take? Two hours? Three hours? I think it's going to take us a while. <laughs> um, but uh, so, no, I, I joined the site a couple of months ago. Um, I am a, a writer living in Boston. Writer being, I guess, my third career after a few years in politics, uh, a few years as a as a anti money laundering attorney. Um, that was by far the worst of the three careers, by the way. Um, yeah, we're very pro money laundering here. <laughs> That's true. Yes. No. I know. I've seen I've seen Vox's books. I know. Um, uh, but no. So I am a writer now, living in Boston. I used to do restaurant and bar reviews. Um, that's usually the thing that people are most excited uh, when I tell them. Um, and now I now I sit and sit at home and write about the socks. Um, I'll take it. It was I was I was eating and drinking too much in the old job anyway, so this is better. Nice. I think that this makes you. I don't know if there even was a site manager before Mark Normandon, but you are definitely the first site manager in. Over a decade to actually live in Boston. So <laughs> I was surprised when I came on board and, you know, and, and I sent an email to the staff and I was like, hey, let's 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 get together. I want to meet you guys in person. I, I'm, I'm really sick of, of living by Zoom. Let's get some beers. Um, and I think all but three of you live at least 200 miles away. <laughs> yep. So that's yep, been this is our way to stay connected. Yeah. I live, of course, in the uh, enemy central. But enough about us. We are here to use a tried and true podcast gimmick. And that is Dan and I are going to draft. We're each going to draft. Is this tried and true or are we the first people ever to do this? Yes, we're the first people ever I to do I thought we were the first people ever to do a podcast draft. I, I have not listened to every single podcast. I will check. I think we've invented this. Certainly, we're the first two white men to do it. Yes, that is true. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of those in the podcast. The white men over 30. Maybe some exactly. younger or older. There might be some senior citizen white men out there drafting World War II books. Um, but I'm we 44, are... so I count in internet. <laughs> That's you know, true. So. Um, so while we're just going to go back and forth and draft the reasons to continue watching the Red Sox this year, I wouldn't—I'm not going to spoil anything here, but I would imagine we might get a little loopy with this. But that's how we want to be here, I think. 
Um, given that you are A, the boss, and B, brand new, I'm going to give you the honor and you can go first. All right. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take an obvious one for my first pick um, because I think you told me you were going weird with your number one, although that might have also been when you had the topic wrong. So I'm not sure about that. Uh, but I'm going to go with the obvious one. Uh, the, the number one reason to keep watching this this otherwise pretty miserable Red Sox team is to watch Xander Bogarts and spe- specifically watch him chase the batting title. Um, this is an easy one. He is at this point uh, probably the greatest shortstop in Red Sox history. Peak Nomar was better than peak Xander, um, but now he's been doing it for longer. Uh, he he doesn't he, he hasn't had this sort of acrimonious final years that Nomar had. Um, uh, maybe there's some Joe Cronin stands out there who are yelling at us talking about him. Uh, and yeah, he has he's in the conversation, but I think Xander is 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 cemented himself in that spot. So we're talking about a guy who's on the all-time Red Sox team, possibly playing his his final games um, as as a Red Sox. He's a joy to watch. He does everything well. He he is he's fun to watch with his approach at the plate. He's fun to watch on the base paths. Um, he's wonderful. Um, I also personally have a little bit of a financial stake in this. Um, I have a weird, I don't know if you have this, Brian. I have a weird psychological thing, um, when it comes to how I talk about the Red Sox and Red Sox players with Yankee fans. Um, you've lived, I I lived in New York for a while too. You've lived there longer, so maybe you've overcome this, but when I'm when I'm talking with you or with other Red Sox fans, I can be I can be very clear-eyed about the team and critical and reasonable. When I'm talking with Yankee fans, that part of my brain shuts off, and I it's it's like I have to defend the honor of the Red Sox, and they can do no wrong. Um, and so back, do you remember do you remember Xander's 2014 rookie year? Vaguely. Do you remember how bad it was? More he was, than vaguely. He was he was so bad. He came he came up he came up at the end of the 2013 season and was outstanding. And it was a 20 year old starting in the World Series for them. Was spitting on outside fastballs and he looked and he he, he looked outstanding. He was the number two prospect in baseball. Um, my God, he completely forgot how to hit in 2014. <laughs> Uh, he could not hit an outside slider to save his life. Pitchers who didn't even have sliders in their arsenal were were like learning them when they played the Red Sox just to make Xander look foolish, and it worked. And I was actually I was driving up to my bachelor party with two Yankee fan friends of mine, and they were just talking so much shit about how garbage Xander was. <laughs> And I felt the need to step up and defend his honor. I mean, I had been at this point, I had been talking to them about this guy for three years as, as he was coming up through the system. <clears throat> and so I ended up uh, so I ended up getting an argument with these two guys. I made three bets with them. I made three one hundred dollar each bets, so six hundred dollars total. The first bet I made with them was that the uh, the Mets would make the playoffs more than the Yankees over the subsequent ten year period. <laughs> Um, which that bet actually looked really good at the time. This was when the Yankees were like still saddled with the Sabathia and the Teixeira contracts. And this is right when Harvey and Syndergaard and DeGrom were coming up for the Mets. Um, that bet actually looked pretty good. I am pretty sure. Have the Yankees clinched? They've clinched, right? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. So as of as of the Yankees clinching, I have lost that bet. I think it is now. I, there's there's one season left of the ten year run, but it is now impossible for the the Mets to make the most season more than the Yankees. Um, the other bet that I made was that Xander Bogarts would one day win an MVP award. <clears throat> that was just not smart from the start. And then the third bet I made was that he would make the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, and so I've been I've been tracking. I, I have a lot vested in his career and his career numbers. And, and I don't know if you know this, but Xander, for as good as he has been, he has actually never led the league in a single major statistical category. He's come close. He's come close in doubles. I think, I think he actually finished second in doubles in 2019 to Devers, um, if I recall. He's come close in doubles. He's come close in hits and runs a couple of times. But I, I don't think he's actually even ever topped 200 hits. So this batting title would be the first time he's led the league in a statistical category. So, you know, when you're talking about that, that all-important Hall of Fame black ink uh, metric that they look at, this would be his first black ink. Um, so I need it to happen. Uh, the fact that if he wins, he'll take it away from Judge is, is just a cherry on top. So that's, that's my number one easy, Xander Bogarts. Okay, it, like as much as my list is like audio shitposting, I did. I did. I did have him. I did have him on it, and I have to say that yeah, it's as anyone who's passingly familiar with my recent work at Over the Monster knows, um, the Mookie trade broke me um, with respect to many things, but including my relationship with Yankees fans around here. Um, especially, like I used to not wear Red Sox hats when the Yankees would beat them, or when the you know if they're in last place because I didn't want to deal with their crap. Because now I don't care. Um, and people are like, oh, Red Sox. I'm like, do you think it's doing me any favors? Like, it, just, it's my hat, man. Like, no, they, they're not good. Congrats. To that end, my number one pick is to watch Aaron Judge humiliate the Red Sox. <laughs> setting, no. setting, the, setting the home run record no, uh, for no, the American no. League this weekend. Uh, um, that is going to happen, isn't it? Well, the... But, but it is a little bit bittersweet in the sense that it does give the Sox comeuppance, which I love, just narrative comeuppance, except it's not a one-to-one situation with, with Mookie because he's older, obviously. Um, and um, he's been on the Yankees for a long time. So if he leaves... It's sort of they're following in the Red Sox footsteps, kind of, because it's not mm. they're not going to trade him. Yeah, um, I mean they he never is. Would trade uh, yeah, him. again, it, well, not not to get ourselves pissed about the Mookie trade one more time. I'm already there. You can't bring me down ever from <laughs> yeah. there. So. But I mean, Judge Judge is 30, right? So I mean, he, yeah. you know, the Mookie Mookie was still at the front end of his prime when the Sox traded him. Uh, you can make a much more clear-eyed baseball case for letting Judge walk than you could trading Mookie Betts, but we don't have to get in there right now. Of course, but 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 in a, on a serious note, they were... The new regime, um, the Bloom regime, I think that it is generally acknowledged. Like, it wasn't that Haim Bloom was like... Guys, I I want to trade Mookie Betts, and the owner right. the owners are like, oh my god, it's the the work the other way around. Right. 
But the judge year shows the wisdom to me of looking at it and say, don't trade super elite talent one year out because you want to get something back. Because they might win the Triple Crown Let him play it out. Let them play it out. Let them make a case for themselves, even if that case prices them out of your own um, budget, which I think it's fair to say the Red Sox never had a budget that was commensurate with Mookie's talent. But at the same time, let him go out there and show you what he's got. Now, obviously, 2020 was fucked six ways to Sunday, so whatever. However, that is my number one choice because that the the bad Red Sox seasons, I have to give them credit for this, are incredibly bad. And <laughs> they have these incredible narrative moments like the Rays last day of the season and whatever, 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. whatever year it was. Um, this would just be one of those. And, uh, and I can't wait to see it. So this is not a snake draft. So you, you are yeah. up next. Well, I, 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 can't, <laughs> I, I can't share your enthusiasm for watching Aaron Judge hit home run number 62. I am, also, I am also extremely petty when it comes to Yankee accomplishments, specifically against the Red Sox. Um, and this goes way back. It, 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 remember the Mike Mussina almost perfect game? That very, Carl Everett very, broke very, up with two Very, outs. very, very well. Yes. There was a, I, think, I think Bob Ryan wrote a column the next day that was like, oh, I wanted to see Mike Bucina finish the perfect game and any true baseball fan would, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, no, fuck that. I was, no. I was, no. <laughs> I jumped for joy when Carl Everett sliced that ball into left center field. I did not want to see Mike Bucina throw a perfect game in Fenway Park. And I, and I, I cannot disagree with you more. I do not want to see Aaron Judge hit a, hit a home run that a isn't even the home run record but but because it's New York and it's the Yankee fans everyone's just going to pretend it is I do not want them to, I do not want him to hit this home run against the Red Sox and just to have to watch that for the next 20 well, years I got bad news for you it's going to happen it's going um, to happen but who do you think who do you think's going to give it up I, it's the, definitely Ryan Brazier right god that would be amazing um the uh I have to say it's little apples and oranges for me. Like obviously, I did not want Mike Messina the perfect game, uh, the Red Sox. And when Carl Everett came up, I was like, he's getting a hit because no one gives less of a shit than Carl Everett. Um, but I, I am, and I think this maybe this is just because maybe I have Stockholm syndrome here. Um, I have never been able to summon much outrage over Aaron Judge because if I was like a kid. Um, there would and I was a Yankees fan outside of being cursed for life. That would just be like he's this giant guy, giant yeah. goofy guy who hits home runs. Like he is the sort of prototypical baseball slugger. And, and I do have to and, admit, I mean, it's delightful the fact that the Yankees have already cost themselves at least one hundred million dollars. And yes. with when with every home run he hits from here on out, and if he does edge Xander for the batting title and get the triple crown, it's just it's just more money that they got to give him. Um, and I, I don't I, I'm certainly him. rooting for that. I always I, I want all want of the that. owners to pay all the money anyway, it, particularly. The I do want owners. Xander to win the title, yeah. so that's there's that. All right, you're up next. All right, uh, my number two pick again. I think it's it's a fairly obvious one. Um, 
And these are Dennis Eckersley's last games in the booth. Um, Dennis Eckersley, I think, is is the best color guy of my lifetime. I think he's better than Remy. Um, and I don't just mean – I just don't mean on Nesson either. I, I, I think he's better than any national color guy. Uh, I think he's better than any color guy for any other team's broadcast. Um, I, I lo- he, he is so damn enthusiastic about baseball – He's so fun in the booth. Um, I'm I'm really gonna miss him, and I got to tell you, Brian, too. I'm I'm a little worried about the Nesson booth going forward. Oh, I'm not a little worried. You're a lot. I'm worried. a lot worried. I mean, Eckersley is. Um, it's not just baseball. He's enthusiastic. He's enthusiastic about life. Uh, True. Especially, and look, I'm one to talk, but like, there's a lot of just negativity. Like you say baseball's a game of failure and it like sort of breeds some negativity and attracts negative people like me. But Eckersley cuts through it so effortlessly um, to bring the joy uh, to the forefront. And it's, it's a shame. I totally understand. I would probably leave if I was him too um, at this point. And my only hope for the booth going forward is that Uke gets more involved because I think yes. he's wonderful. I do. Th- I um, do think Uke is the best guy that they've tried out for sure. But after that, it gets it yeah. gets late pretty early. I also I have a confession to make um, that I, I when when they initially made the switch from Orsillo to Dave O'Brien, I actually kind of thought it was the right move at the time. <laughs> Orsillo, I, I never warmed up to Orsillo that much. I loved Sean McDonough. Um, I would be so happy if Sean McDonough came back to do to do the Sox games full-time on Nesson. I never warmed up to Orsillo that much, and I did kind of like Dave O'Brien on ESPN. Um, but God, I, it's, I, seeing Dave O'Brien every night now, I, he is just one of the most boring announcers <laughs> I have ever heard in any sport. I can't. It's it's just. God, I was watching a game the other night, and and they're talking about Judge versus Otani for the MVP, you know. And and Dave O'Brien brings up the well. Let's think about this here. Shohei Otani is doing this on a last place team. How valuable can you be? Like this, the same conversation that we have had for forty years, and he's bringing it up as if he's the first person to ever think about it. And it's just, I don't know, he never has anything interesting to say. I, I don't care for him. And now, without Eckersley, too, I'm really worried. Okay. I think that you disparaging Saint Orsillo <laughs> is worse than me picking Aaron Judge oh, first God, on this list. Oh, God, come on. How? You think he's better than McDonough was? That's that's not the argument. I, let me tell you something. Since I, you know, I went to college, I grew up with McDonough. McDonough's great. And I saw a game this year that McDonough was doing, and it was just like, oh, God, this is great. Red Sox it's, game. It's delightful. Um, or maybe I listened. I don't remember. But um, the thing about Orsillo to me was that in the early days, I forgot he wasn't McDonough because it sounded so much, like when he was sort of finding his place, that he sounded like McDonough. But then once the personality started coming out, obviously he's yeah. just a giant goofball. 
He is. Um, he is. And and look, I I am I am repenting and confessing here. Like I was wrong about that for sure. <laughs> and and the Padres have been my West Coast MLB TV team for a couple of years now, pretty much ever since Tatis came up. Um, and yeah, and he he has such a good. I I don't know. I can't remember the name of the Padres color guy, but the two of them have such a good rapport. Um, and so I listen to late Padres games, and I miss him for sure. I I was wrong. I I confess that I was wrong. <laughs> At the time, yeah, I, I love know. McDonough. I just... No, I I was very surprised when McDonough was when he left. That yeah. seemed to me like he was going to do that forever. Uh, that yeah. he was the guy. Well, he um, was. I mean, remember in the nineties, McDonough was calling World Series games and Final Fours. He was he was like a major figure. So it, it actually wasn't that surprising to me. I think when he left, you're like, yeah, he's he's a major national figure, and then he just kind of fell off the radar. I just thought because, you know, he was the second generation hometown guy that he was going to plant his flag in being the Red Sox guy, even though, like, obviously you're close to ESPN, you have many different opportunities. And I don't, you know, that's that's his life and it's great. Uh, He's I think he's done what he's wanted to do. I am not surprised that and you felt this way a little bit that like people were a little bit put off by Orsillo at times, but it's the, it's the replacement. That's like the the real shame because it's just O'Brien and O'Brien and Maz is just the most pain. It's, 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 it's unbearable. They they are brutal. Um, Maz is better in the booth than he is on the radio show at least. Um, But that's uh, damning with faint praise. Yeah. I would love to see Yuke. I don't know if you Yuke has a lot of business interests going on. He like uh, he roasts coffee and brews beer and stuff. I don't know if he has 162 games in him. No, I don't. He doesn't. And I think that honestly, the way they're approaching the booth is kind of similar to the way Hyam Bloom approaches the uh, starting <laughs> rotation. I mean that dead serious. Like, yeah. they just have like six or seven guys who are able to go, and then it just goes depends. Like, you know who else I love in the booth, and this is another thing that might get me excommunicated here, mm-hmm. is Roger Clemens. Oh, Every God. time he's in the booth, I, I th- I'm able to put my former feelings of him as a player in the past. I think he's a good person in the booth. He's smart. He explains things really well. Um, and I sort of forget that it's him as it's happening. So it's not like constant haterade, but... I understand I think, that, Mike. I think you are right to an extent. The the few cameos where they've had him um, pop in, my initial reaction is always to roll my eyes. Um, and then I think you're right. Like, you know, he, he talks to them for an, in, for an inning or two, and you're like, well, you know what? That wasn't so bad. That was kind of interesting. I do not think, though, as you just said, that Roger Clemens is smart. And I think if he were He's to spend any smart. significant time smart. in the booth, I think he would say so many stupid and insensitive things over the course of 50, 60 games uh, that it would end up being a train wreck. That That's fair. I think he's baseball smart. And the other thing is he's not, unlike every other person who's a booth, Clemens is not Red Sox specific. Like, I'm sure he does the same thing with the Yankees. I'm sure he does the yeah. same thing with the Astros. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, all right. 
trying to think of what I, because I had Eckersley too. I just wanted to get the judge thing out there. I'll just do another ridiculous one that's that we, we wouldn't have been able to do yesterday and we could do mm -hmm. today is um, so you don't think about the Ime Udoka situation with the Celtics <laughs> because you think you were thinking that, hey, look, at least we get to the Celtics. You know, the Patriots aren't great. Celtics, favorites in the Eastern Conference, depending on where you look. And now you don't want to think about that stuff. So let's just settle in. Let's watch Xander go for the batting title. Um, I mean, obviously, this is sort of tongue in cheek, but it is pretty funny to me that the Red Sox, that, that, that Boston, two of the four major Boston managers are likely to have had full year suspensions um, within a five, within like a four year period. Wait, you, you think he's going to get suspended for this? Oh, yes. For a for year. What I, I mean, that's. But not by the NBA, by the Celtics. By the Celtics. Um, yes. I would be. Maybe you've maybe you're more in the loop than I am. Um, I, I only briefly sort of got the gist of it. And from my understanding, my understanding was that they're really that he, he's not in jeopardy. Um, I, I think he is, um, we'll see. I mean, obviously we're yeah. recording this Thursday morning as this story is breaking, but, uh, it's not great. And, um, yeah. a little garbage time Red Sox baseball is a good way to keep your mind off of, I think the details are actually going to come out and be pretty bad too. You so think I think so? that the, you think they're going to be ugly. I think, I don't think Alex like, I understand why Alex Cora was suspended for a year, but I, I just mm -hmm. didn't care. Um, I think that this... Has this Nia cross, Long come out and said anything about this yet, by the way? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't believe so. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's t tough out there. I, I think that, like, cheating is one thing, and uh, I, especially in the today's climate, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Anything of a even remotely sexual nature, uh, the there's there's no downplaying the the badness of it. So we yeah. don't need to stick on this because it's not. So I just think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I think for the next two weeks, people should just watch the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. I guess I guess yeah. He's I don't know. He certainly is going to get suspended for a period of time. I shouldn't have been dismissive of that. Uh, but I I I mean I I guess I was just thinking it probably end up being like a couple of weeks or something. Because from what I understand, I, I mean yeah, I mean it's it's obviously fits the definition of workplace sexual harassment given the power dynamics. He's the second most powerful person in the organization. Um, you know, but if, you know, from what I understand from, from it being as, as far as everyone's reporting completely consensual in both ways, like, I think it's going to be the type of thing where he's going to miss a couple of weeks and then the Celtics are going to say, uh, you know, it's, it's a personal matter between these two people. We don't want to air their dirty laundry in public and we're moving on. All right. Well, let's hope so. That's what Speaking I'm of moving that. on, you're up. All right, um, my number three pick moving from the booth back to the field, uh, Brian Bale. I don't know if you listened to the podcast I did with Keaton a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
I did I did the pre-cap with him. <laughs> if Keaton's on it, I didn't, I ain't listening. That's what I figured. Um, so I did the pre-cap with him, and, and we did it right after Bayo's start against the Blue Jays. And I set up this big dramatic moment where I said, Keaton, I think what Brian Bayo did last night against the Blue Jays was the most impressive thing a Red Sox rookie has done since Rafael Devers homered off Araldis Chapman in Yankee Stadium. And Keaton went, yeah, that's about, that's, that's about, that's about right. <laughs> and just completely completely burst my dramatic bubble. Um, but I stand by that. Um, he is uh, by far the best pitching prospect we've had come up since Buckles through his, his, his rookie year, no hitter. <sighs> Um, I love watching him. I am so weary and sick of young pitchers, young Dominican pitchers getting compared to Pedro. <laughs> um, but Bayo's changeup, man. Bayo's changeup is really nasty. Um, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to make that comparison myself, but he is outstanding. He has just gotten better and better all season long, even starting with Worcester. He got better and better. Coming up with the Red Sox, he's getting better and better with each outing. Um, I, I love this guy. I think he's he's fun to watch. He's passionate out there. He seems really smart, based on you know some of the some of the interviews I've, I've read with him. Um, so I like this guy. I am invested. I am ready to get my heart broken when he needs Tommy John in 16 months. Yeah, that's the only reason um, that I wouldn't be on the same train. Is that I. Yes, it is so refreshing to have a homegrown pitching prospect worth a damn. Like, it's, God, it's incredible. It's been a long but, time. But I just, my thing with pitchers um, is that it's like you take the Michael Walker season this year. It's just like, this is great. But, like, if they're not competing, basically, every, not, like, Bayo needs to develop. So it's good that he's getting these reps. But it needs I will. T- I do not take for granted health, especially with young pitchers. Like I just, I don't do it. So I get it. Like it's, it's awesome. I and my third pick is very similar. It's just Tristan Casas, mm. period. Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. think that he is <clears throat> baseball um, hipster. Yeah, I think he's the next like Red Sox um, superstar. Uh, I. I see that swing and I see peak Cody Bellinger, which obviously didn't last very long, but right. it was great when it did, when it was, when it was popping off. And, um, out of the way this roster is constructed, you can sort of tell transitional pieces. You know, obviously we don't know what's happening with the long-term pieces with respect to Bogart slash Devers, but I, um, I just love Cassis. You know, we've been waiting for this for such a long time that uh, I it I look at it different from the Bayo situation because I think that it's um, the the results may not be as good now, but we're just going to see growth, slow yeah. growth, and so it's just it's just fun, just fun to see the guy hit dingers. Let's just put it. Let's just. Yeah, it, it actually it, it's particularly fun watching a guy like Cassis too, where he is a prospect who has pretty much everything put together right now except for one thing, and that's and that's consistently you know making contact against lefties. 
And so it's – in a sense, it's like it's more fun watching him try to figure that out. And he – like he's clearly a very smart hitter. I mean I, I, I wrote a piece for the site a few weeks ago that was just about one single foul ball he hit because I was so impressed with the swing he took. It was against it was against a left-handed pitcher and like it was – you know, this this was this was right after he had hit his first major league home run against the Rays. That that bomb he hit in in the drop, um, and he came in and he came in to face a lefty his next time up, and he shortened his swing and didn't outside inside out swing and was just trying to hit hit a line drive over the shortstop's head, um, which is just I mean a you it's so rare to see any major league hitter use two different swings these days. Because they tend to be so picky about their mechanics and so worried that that if they get too cute that they're going to mess something up. So that in and of itself is rare, and it's even more rare when it's a rookie, um, and and when it's a rookie whose future is is like you said, as a guy that's just going to mash a bunch of long home runs. Uh, so well, yeah, I, I I love this guy. I think it's just, I think you those are great points, especially when you compare him to someone like I don't know who had great success in AAA, but couldn't translate it, whose name may sound like Darren Duran. Mm-hmm. Um, or Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, the, but I, there's a difference with Dahlbeck is that I think that if, you, if people were being honest, this is always what Dahlbeck was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Duran, like a lot of people, like was, you could say Jared... Kellenic too. Like the, the jump from AAA to the majors is so big right now because of the pitchers um, in in Major League Baseball and how good they are. Um, I think the 2020 know, Durant, season had something to do with that too. All of these guys losing a year of development. Yes. But also, um, you see that Duran comes up and is just trying to do what used to work. And sort of hoping it still works. Um, and then, you know, you have to mess with that a little bit. but it And it, it hasn't worked. Whereas Cassis is immediately, as you said, into problem-solving mode. Um, and that's... He, he doesn't need to set the world on fire. What he needs to do is be a problem-solver. Mm-hmm. Because he has the talent. And for him to come in there and be able to do that, ra- rather than fighting to... look like a major league player is, is huge and it's why um, it's why every time he's at bat I love I love to watch it. Are you are you good with us going into the twenty twenty three season with just Casas and Hosmer as our first base options? Stumped ya. Yeah. Um if I knew what Hyam Bloom was thinking at any given time, like I, I am at the point where I'm like, I do. What does it matter what I think? Um, yeah. I just want. I mean, can can we? Why why does Osmer have to be? I mean, I know why he does. <laughs> um. I mean, given what they rolled out there this year, I would have to say like. It seems like an improvement to me what they started with at the beginning of this year. Now, look, they didn't do anything this year, but yeah. it does it, to me that still represents a step forward. So, 
Well, maybe. I mean, as you as you and I just discussed, it's it, he's not Bobby Dahlbeck, um, and the two of them shouldn't be compared. But we we did Bobby Dahlbeck did have a hell of an August last year. Um, there was reason to believe he could be a major league first baseman, um, and we were wrong about that. Tristan Casas, uh, for as much as I love him. For as much as I love his approach at the plate, uh, he he still hasn't done what Bobby Dahlbeck did last August. Um, that's so why I, they should have traded Bobby Dahlbeck in the offseason. That's probably, yeah. Well, he doesn't have any value left, so too late. Too late well, there's a, hold on. The uh, the thirst trap community would probably disagree with you on that. But other than that. Is, is Bobby Dahlbeck a heartthrob? Am I that disconnected? Uh, he I, seems to be seen popular among the people I follow who are into this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I guess I could see it. Uh, all right. Aesthetically, I hate I hate when really tall ball players um, wear their pants all the way down to the cleats and don't show any sock. And he, Bobby Dalbeck is a is a big offender of that. So I I think I think I think he looks ugly in a baseball uniform. Wow. Get those pants. Wow. Off. I'm gonna. Okay, we're gonna tell him you said that. Um, all right, your pick number four. All right, number four. Um, so, Brian, you and I are both uh, children of the 90s to an extent. Um, we both came of age with a Fenway Park, uh, with a pre-sellout streak Fenway Park. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that I, that uh, you know, I, I miss the days when the Red Sox were mediocre um and and missed the days when the ballpark was was half full on a lot of nights but part of me does miss a little bit of of the sort of weird fenway that kind of existed in those days you know especially in like april and september days when when there might only be 18 20,000 people in the stands um fenway could get kind of weird and kind of interesting um, and it, and it, as a kid, as a kid, it sometimes felt like a little bit dangerous going into Fenway sometimes. Um, so I am hoping that we get a little bit of weird Fenway back one of these games, uh, and the remaining homestand. I hope, I hope we get a game that's like delayed by two hours of rain. And so there's only 10,000 people in the stands, um, and everyone moves up close to the field and it's just a bunch of drunk college kids and they are doing weird, sarcastic, ironic chants. And we just get a little taste of weird Fenway back. I don't want it full time. I'll take the sellouts, but I would just like a little sort of reminder of, of the Fenway of my youth. That so this is an incredible pick. choice. This is incredible. I love this so much, especially because look, I, um, you know, I've been to Fenway a bunch, but I've lived in New York for over 20 years now. And I went to the old Yankee Stadium, been to the new one. Say what you want. The old Yankee Stadium, like City Field, they were dumps. They were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I never made stadium it to the goes. old stadium. That's one of my big It was so loud. Regrets. And it would literally rock. Now, I'd also... Um, I wasn't rooting for them also, but it was just objectively cool. If you were to take someone from like Europe, mm-hmm. even if they didn't know, or someone who didn't know anything about baseball, like Timmy Trumpet, suppose he didn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't associated with the Mets and just put him in that environment. Same way. If you put him in an excited Fenway, he'd be like that. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is gone. That is absolutely gone from yeah. both stadiums. Um, and pretty much every one of the newer type of stadiums doesn't um, can handle either sellout. Like, it, it doesn't feel weird. No. And weird is good. And I, yeah. I, I love this, this choice um, to just... Maybe maybe it'll wake something in Dave O'Brien. Like maybe that because he is the perfect exemplar of like the not weird Fenway. Yeah, like, I do think a little bit of it came back last year, um, mostly because of COVID more than anything else. So you had so you know all of the all of the the, the private equity executives who live in Weston, you know weren't weren't working in the city every day they were working from home so they weren't going to Sox games the way that they have been for the last 20 years and so I, I think I think there was an extent to which last year that the sort of like the college kids kind of took it back a little bit um, down the stretch run so that was so I, it, I do think it came back a little bit last year that's weird a, Fenway I think you just won the draft frankly yeah um, I probably did yeah um but I'll go with my fourth one, which is somewhat related. It's more Red Sox being weird. I want to see Tommy Pham punch someone. <laughs> Do you have any candidates to receive? No, we just punch? I, like the whole point of having Tommy Pham <laughs> is that something will happen at some point, and nothing has really happened since he's been here. So do you want him to? Do you want him to punch a teammate, or do you want him to punch? Do you want him to punch Aaron Judge, Dave O'Brien? Oh, Who do you want him to punch? That'd be amazing. Aaron Judge sets the record, and he's just like genuflecting. And fam Did you, can you imagine Jackson. what a a nationwide villain Tommy Pham would become? I mean, he already is after the I don't think, football stuff. But if he punched, I don't think Aaron I'd Judge. recommend that anybody, literally in Major League Baseball, should punch Aaron Judge. No, nobody um, in life should. Punch, nobody should punch anybody. We should we should put that out as a PSA. Where <laughs> well, punching isn't good. But it's better if you're Tommy Pham and you're punching somebody on a baseball field. I mean, after the Rudned Ordor Bautista, we have the perfect baseball punch. That is so. True. So we Wait, don't. You, you think can, that's better than Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura? I mean, it's a cleaner punch. The yeah. Ventura thing is a better fight, but as like a single image. That picture the, of Ryan just with Ventura in the headlock. I mean, there's never going to be a a better picture of a baseball fight than that. It's just, just, it's, um, it's unbelievable. Um, so no, it doesn't need to be a punch. Like it just, I want, I want there to be a Tommy Pham incident. Okay. Um, yeah. That it, that is ultimately harmless. Look, it's fantasy football season. It, he, it could happen. It's true. What if a Patriot came to throw out the first pitch, but he like fumbled on the one yard line? And uh, you know, Tommy Pham just goes out there and gives him an earful. Yeah, Tommy high roll, high roller, Tommy Pham. Isn't that what he called himself, by the way? Oh I'm yeah, a, I'm a high you, roller. Messing, and I'm a big deal with in my Vegas. Money. Yeah, yeah, messing yeah. with my money. Yeah. All right, your final pick. All right, uh, actually, so my my final pick will actually segue a little bit off of what you just said. I don't think you're gonna like this one, actually, based on um, based on the, you know I, I know your your recent Twitter activity. Um, I actually I hate football. 
<laughs> and I and I know you do not, and I know I'm very much in the minority. Um, but I hate football, and so my fifth pick as to why you should keep watching the Red Sox is because the NFL just needs to calm down a little bit and wait its turn. The NFL is so big and obnoxious, um, and I think even even people like you who, unlike me, do not hate football, can agree that the NFL is just a little too inflated, a little too big for its own good. It is our, not not to defend baseball owners in any way, but the NFL is our most corrupt sports league. It is our most socially destructive sports league. And so by continuing to watch baseball in September and October, you are you are engaging in a, in a small act of silent protest against all of that badness. Um, so the NFL, you can just calm down a little bit. Just wait for baseball to be done. Then we can talk. That's my that's my fifth reason. But I acknowledge that I'm in the minority there. Well, I I, I like what's really appealed to me about football as I've gotten older is the analysis of it has gotten smarter. It's sort of been moneyballed, but it can't be. But it also can't be moneyballed because it's so complicated. So. What I like about it is that, like, unlike in baseball and basketball, where there was a statistical revolution and there was like, okay, hit home runs and shoot threes. And it's like, that is the end of it. Like, there's other things, obviously. But it's obviously changed the gameplay. What I like about football, like, independent of the NFL, which I will not argue anything you said about the NFL. It's obvious. There's no point in arguing it. Roger Goodell wouldn't argue like maybe the socially destructive part he would. But outside of that, um, I have just found it from an analytical perspective. Um, it's weird. When I was growing up, there was a saw and it like went back to old sports writing. It was the, the smaller the ball, the better the writing. And I think that's kind of been totally inverted um, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, or not totally, but it's definitely been inverted to some degree because I find... The level of like, like uh, Mina Kimes and pro football focus level, they can be a little off-putting, but not Mina. But like the pro football focus can be like when people are trying to cut through early uh, baseball analytics. But at the yeah. same time, uh, they're interested. I'm learning the reason I like the NFL now. I did not expect to like it like this at this age. I expected to become to get into where you are. But to me, I'm I learn something new every week. And that's why I like it. But I get it. It's not for everyone. It's for most of us. Just not you. Just just Um, wait your turn. That's all I'm saying. Football. Just wait your turn. Just calm down a little bit. You're the biggest sport in America. We all know that. Just, just it, football. It's, it's just, it's gotten so everything about it, from the draft to minicamp. It's just everything's so loud and obnoxious. I just want it never, to, like it to never stops. Away. There's just no off season. Yeah, just sit down for a little bit. Just sit down and be quiet and wait your turn. That's my stance on the NFL. Um, my fifth pick is another shit post, of course, and it's just I, I'm gonna tie. I'm gonna do two because I'm losing the draft anyway. It's one, how many errors can the Red Sox make on one play? Um, that's one. And then two, what will Haim Bloom say that irrationally pisses me off in the next uh, two weeks? And actually, we can add one more. What what will Mookie Betts do that will just make me infuriated all over again? Last night, he's hitting his 35th home run. So now he has 35 home runs and 35 doubles. 
I think that's good. You know, it's pretty it's, good. It's just an opinion, but um, like it, obviously, it's a little gallows humor o'clock here. It's September twenty second, twenty second when we're recording this. And I'm worried that if I ever go to your home, I'm gonna see like a like a poster of Hyam Bloom on the wall with the eyes scratched out. <laughs> no, no. Even, even as someone who shares your bloom skepticism largely, I'm a little worried. I mean, with it's, where you I, take it. I, again, I am, and I've tried to make this point that I am not skeptical that his plan will work yeah. to some degree because yeah. it's it's a little bit foolproof that they will be good. To of very course. good. Of course, yeah. Um, my 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 beef about the past was that this was a team that didn't need blowing up um, in the time and fashion that it happened, and my concern about the future that can obviously be alleviated, and we won't know till we get there, is that um, I want them to be willing to go a level of all in that I'm not sure. Uh, that he would be comfortable with, but that's his job and it's not mine. Um, so I, I, I think that he has had to, partially of his own making, give lip service to a lot of things um, and at the same time he's been candid about a lot of things and it's been hard to tell which. So it just depending on my mood, uh, it just rubs me the wrong way. I, I yeah. as everyone else has said, and you have said, and I have said, whatever. Yeah. This yeah, off large, season, this off season will be the clarifying one. I think. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. I largely agree with you. They they did not need to blow up the team at the time they did. I I think I, I don't blame Hyam as much as I blame the whole current John financial Henry. structure of Major League Baseball. I think he's sort of a product of. He's a product of his time and place where for some reason um, it, it the, the for some reason this idea has cemented in everyone's head that uh, using money to build a baseball team is never the smart way to build a baseball team even if you have money um, but this is a topic for another show yes <laughs> Cause, yes because we are done with the draft uh, readers you can grade uh, you can say who won Dan won but um, if you wanna, if you wanna throw me a bone, uh, that's fine. Um, so that is it. That's the Over the Monster podcast. I don't know. We don't know our schedule. Anything, but we, do you have anything you want to promote on the site, Brian? Like, for instance, uh, what your next article is going to be. <laughs> and if and if while I think promoting that's, it, you I think that's a way me. of Dan asking me to write an article. Um, oh, so okay. yeah, we'll get back to you, folks. You'll see it on the site when it pops up. Um, can't wait. Can't wait. Um, so. That is it for today. Uh, you can follow Dan at Over the Monster on Twitter. And you can follow me at Brian Joyner. That's Brian with a Y. Joyner with an I. Please rate and review us. And we will be back at some point. Thanks a lot, Brian. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs>